0: Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yes, sir, Brother Brian, it is. I feel like the psalmist. I was glad, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. We're so grateful. We're going to be looking in John chapter 9 this morning. John chapter 9, a message I call, He is of age, ask him. He is of age, ask him. John chapter 9, verse 20. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. You know, this is a special day for us. It's our first day back in corporate worship in a little over two months. Uh, you might wonder, well, how do I feel about the crowd? I feel great about the crowd. I really do. Uh, we have uh, increased, I don't even know how many, several hundred percent over what we had last week. <laughs> I mean, you just don't see that every week. You know, we went from four to however many. I, you do the math. I don't Some of these graduates might could do it. Um, This is also, of course, Graduate Sunday. And uh, so we will be honoring those who have come to this incredible time in their life. And though I have designed this message and built this message in many ways around our graduates and a message and a charge to you, it is also a message that applies to all of us because we must all speak our own truth about our own faith. We'll be talking about the story here in John chapter 9, and this is one of a, me- a kind of a message that I call a narrative sermon uh, because it's basically going to be built around the story and the telling of the story. It's not one where we're going to have this outline to follow, and so those of you who keep notes will kind of struggle, uh, but that's okay. We'll be looking at the story, and we'll see it kind of falls along an outline as we go along. But the story is built around a question, a, a question that is asked uh, when Jesus met with these, uh, with this blind man in John chapter 9 and verse 1. We'll see in a moment. But I want to make sure you understand that when I talk about everyone has to speak their own truth about their own faith. I'm not implying for you today that uh, there's a personal kind of truth ...that all of us can tailor make to ourselves and our own ideas. That's, that's not that is so often presented in our world today, but that's just not right. Listen, truth is truth. The truth is the truth. It's the same for me as it is for you, as it is for everyone else. The truth is the truth. Uh, there's never been a time, I don't think, in our history... ...when it's been so possible for so many things that are lies to be peddled as truth so quickly... And by so many different people. There was a time when if you wanted to communicate ideas with someone else, you had to actually go to where they were and sit by them or talk to them face to face. And you could then evaluate this person who was speaking to you and and trying to influence you. Is this someone I want to listen to or not? I could see the kind of life that they lived and who they are. But the internet allows people to occupy a position of complete anonymity. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they are. We don't know what they are. And yet they present themselves as experts. And they all have their own ideas. And they all want to influence you and convince you that what they are saying is the truth. And a lot of them are really good at it. But today we're going to be looking here in John chapter 9 at the one who in just a few chapters in John chapter 14 will say this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so for you graduates and all the rest of us who are going out into a world where multitudes of people might make a similar claim, I want you to believe that they are the truth. I am the truth doesn't matter whether it's a politician, a doctor, lawyer, educator, social influencer, entertainer, sports figure, scientist, newscaster. The list goes on and on of people who want to stand and say, I'm the truth. But let me tell you something. <laughs> Unless they were butchered to death on a cross, buried for three days, and live to tell about it, then they don't have a truth to rival the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, I am the truth. And that is a foundational place, a starting place for life and living. And so we're going to be encountering a man in this story today who came to the truth about Jesus Christ and who stood with that truth under incredible pressure, though he had only uh, for just a few moments known about Jesus. And yet he stood for what he knew was the truth, though it would cost him almost everything and even put his life in danger. That's John chapter 9. Remember, I told you that this story starts with a question. Verse 1, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, Jesus was in the Jewish temple that was in the ancient city of Jerusalem. He had been teaching and arguing all day with the religious leaders and political leaders in Jerusalem and things had come to a head. And as uh, they picked up stones, basically to stone him, Jesus hid himself, moved out. And as he moved out then through the gate, he encounters this blind man. And the Bible says he was looking at him. He caught his attention, as it were. I don't know if Jesus just stopped and was staring. That seems to be kind of what was happening. And the disciples then immediately saw that as an opportunity to ask a question. Maybe it had already been in their minds, but they were asking, Lord, who sinned this man or his parents so that he was born blind? Now, we call this a congenital condition. We don't know whether he had no optic nerves or whether he had no retina, or or maybe uh, sometimes people were born with uh, the lens malformed in their eye or messed up in their eye so that they have some kind of vision, but it's distorted. Uh, but it was seen to me the indication was this man was blind. He was obviously blind. Everybody knew he was blind. His parents knew he was blind. His neighbors knew he was blind. Jesus could see that he was blind. There he was at the temple in Jerusalem. And the disciples want to have a religious discussion. I see, in their way of thinking, uh, anybody that had a sickness in their life, it came because of something bad they'd done. You'd sin, you'd messed up, and then something bad happened to you. That was their way of thinking. And so this man who was born blind and anyone else who was born in that kind of condition, born with any kind of congenital birth defect, would face then this problem, create this dilemma for them. Is this a case of the sins of the parents? So that a child then is born with some terrible deformity because of something that the parents did. Well, that didn't seem right to them. It doesn't seem right to us. The other way that they would think was that somehow then this man must have sinned before he was ever even born. But you know, that doesn't seem right either. So they had a dilemma. If everything that happens to you bad, every sickness that ever happens, every time of suffering that ever happens, if that's because of some sin in your life, then uh, this condition produced a a problem to their thinking. Verse 3, then Jesus answered, "'Neither this man nor his parents sinned.'" Isn't that good news, okay? He didn't sin before he was ever born. No, no. And his parents didn't sin. No, no, that wasn't that. "'But that the works of God should be revealed in him.'" "'I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work as long as I am in the world.'" Look at this. "'I am the light of the world.'" Now, this is one of those times in Scripture where we kind of need to jump ahead to the end of the story in order to pick up what it is that Jesus is saying. In verse 39, uh, Jesus would say, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. John gave us signs, he called them, not miracles, but signs. And those are miracles with a message. And the message of this miracle is easy to see. You see, we're all born blind. All of us are. We are blind to our sin, we're blind to our need for a Savior. We are blind to basically everything of both a spiritual and a material nature. And so when Jesus gave this message to that man who had been blind, but now seeing some of the religious leaders heard it and took it personally as well they should, saying, well, are we the ones who are blind? And Jesus said, no. (laughs) If you were blind, remember we're talking about someone who was born blind. That is, if you were blind, if you were still in your infancy, if you were still a very young child who didn't understand anything about sin, who didn't understand their need for the Savior, then Jesus said, you would have no sin. That's an incredible truth. And it's one of the times where the Bible addresses that great issue about little ones, infants, small children, those who have never reached what we call the age of accountability, where they understand their sin. They're born blind. We're all born blind. We don't know what we're doing, don't know what's going on. But then there comes a time when we become aware of our sin. We know when we have lied. We lied and we knew we lied. (laughs) We were disobedient. We knew we were disobedient. We were disrespectful and we know good and well we're disrespectful. There comes a time then when we are no longer blind. We understand our sin. We understand then our need for a Savior it's a great message then that Jesus delivered in this passage. You know, if, if you were blind, if you were still blind, you were just born in your blindness, you would have no sin. But that's not your condition, we see. That is, they discerned right from wrong. They believed themselves even to be teachers. And so their sin, he said, remained. Jesus, you see, is using this miracle to deliver An incredible message. And how this miracle plays out then is of great significance because John chapter 9 and verse 6, when he said these things to the blind man, back to the storyline, he spat on the ground. What's that mean? It means he spit on the ground. And he reached down then and made clay, picked up some dirt, mixed it with the spittle, Wiped it in the eyes of the blind man and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He's like him. That means, No, it looks like him. (laughs) Not the same guy. It looks like him. But he said, and in the, in the context in the Greek says it like this, he kept on saying and kept on saying, I am he, I am he, I am he. Yes, it's me. But I was blind, but no more. Now, now I can see. I want to state the obvious here. Jesus could have healed this man any way he wanted to. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. Yes, he could. Boy, it's good to have somebody here who can say amen. <laughs> Jesus could have healed that man obviously any way that he wanted to. So he chose a way that was going to require obedience on this man's part. He gave him a message. You go wash in the pool of Siloam. And of all things, with mud in his eyes, he went all the way from the temple mount where he was at the gate of the temple all the way down and down and down and down to the pool of Siloam. It was quite a trip. He knelt down there at the waters and washed. How would you like to have it on video when he opened his eyes? Wow, I can see. The sky, the clouds, the trees the faces of people who all his life he had only heard their voices but now he sees them. The beauty that was all around him in that wonderful world as he heard Jesus say such a simple thing go wash in the pool of Siloam and he went and washed and he came seeing. Don't miss that. Jesus healed this man in a way that required an act of faith on his part. He had to believe what Jesus told him to do and then do what Jesus said to do. That's an act of faith. In John chapter 5 and verse 24, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come to condemnation but is passed from death into life. It is that simple truth then that passes us from death... Under life. We hear the message of the gospel. We hear that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. We believe then when he tells us that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We believe on him. We receive that message and he does exactly what he said he would do. Our spiritual eyes then come wide awake all of a sudden. We experience the truth of that salvation as we believe the message of the gospel, we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, then we can all see the light. And we can all say, I once was blind, but now I see. That was exactly the testimony of this blind man. We can see him feeling his way along as he leaves the Temple Mount and goes down to the pool of Siloam. But bless your heart, he did not have to feel his way back. <laughs> oh, no. He was able to see. Uh, for the life of me, I can't see him walking along with no muggy, mully grub kind of a face. You know, well, bless God. Praise God good. You know, I just can't see that. I, I think he kind of got excited. Do you? I sure do. He probably got happy. Was telling Everybody. Neighbors that he'd been around all of his life couldn't believe the transformation they saw in him. Now it looks like him, but it can't be him. The guy we know was blind, and this guy's not. That's me. I'm he. I'm he. Wasn't long till they took him to the religious leaders, the Pharisees. And they even called in his parents to ask them whether he was their son and if he had indeed been born blind. They uh, covered all their bases. Neighbors galore could testify, people who'd known him his whole life. Yes, 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 he was indeed blind. But as they began to counter this man and question this man and, and, and try to counter out what had happened to him, counteract rather what had happened to him, uh, they noted a couple of things. Number one, it was a Sabbath day. And number two, now get this: Jesus sped on the ground and made clay. And that was a no-no on the Sabbath. You couldn't make anything on the Sabbath. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. Couldn't do any work on the Sabbath. It was a Sabbath day. And Jesus fed on the ground and made clay. Oh, this is bad, 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 bad. So they, they, can you imagine? Here's a guy who was born blind, been blind his whole life, who now can see. And here's a bunch of folks arguing over how he did it. Nitpicking little things. Oh, man, you know, this, uh, this is bad. This is sinful. He made clay on the Sabbath. Can't be right. They brought his parents in. Tell us about what happened. Well, we can't tell you anything. Isn't that a, doesn't that just bless your hearts to see parents say that about their kids? You'd think they'd have been jumping up and down happy with him too. Jesus healed him. That's all I don't don't know. No. Ask him. Let him speak for himself. In a way, that's a bad thing. But in a way, it's a very real thing. Because I want to remind you today that every one of us has to speak our own truth about our own faith. Your parents can't speak for you. They have in a lot of ways up to this time, graduates. But going forward, you're going to have to speak your own truth about your own faith. you're of age, ask him. It's time for you to come, maybe in a fresh way, to a, to a new realization of exactly who Jesus is and what he has done for you. You may not be brought into a temple to face a hostile crowd of religious leaders. For you, it may be a college professor or a group of your own peers or a group of your co-workers or a group of your friends. But they will challenge what you believe. And your parents will not be able to answer for you. You're of age. You must speak your own truth about your own faith. (laughs) This blind man did. I'll tell you what, he's a great example. He started out with a simple testimony. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes opened? Verse 10, he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, they wanted to condemn Jesus so bad they could not see what was right in front of their eyes. And the blind man would go on to tell them, listen, since the world began, it's not been heard of that somebody was healed who was born blind. You see, this man had done his research. Maybe he'd asked the doctors. Maybe he'd asked the priests. Maybe he'd asked other people who were educated and well learned. Have you ever heard of anybody like me getting help? Has there ever been somebody who had what I have who's been healed? you understand why that that question would have been asked again and again and again in his life? Since the world began, it has not been heard that somebody like me was healed. And all you guys want to do is find out whether he was a sinner or not. You want me to ask that, answer that question for you? You want to argue about whether Jesus sinned when he spit on the ground and made clay? Let me tell you something. I was blind, but now I see. And if this was a sin, how in the world can I stand here before you healed of my blindness and able to see? If that was a sin, God wouldn't have honored that. I would have just got mud in my eye and washed it out. This man is teaching the theologians. I want to remind you, graduates, a lot of the arguments that you're going to hear against the Bible and against your faith and against Jesus Christ and against God are going to be just as absurd as what these men were arguing here picking out some little minutiae, some little idea, some little thought, and making such a big deal about it and trying to build an argument about it. But all he had to answer with was his testimony of what Jesus Christ had done for me. I was blind, but now I see. You can go a long way with a testimony like that. Well, these religious leaders would brand this man a sinner as they branded Jesus a sinner, although Jesus wasn't a sinner, They would cast him out of the temple and they would cast him out of their synagogue. That is, they were judiciously uh, casting this man out of their religious system completely. (laughs) But you know what? He could still see. Amen? He could still see. You see, they couldn't take away what Jesus had done for him. They can't do that for you either. When Jesus heard then that what had happened to him, and they would cast him out, verse 35, and when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? Do you notice, of course, that Jesus heard what happened to him, and Jesus went looking for him and found him. Aren't you glad that's the Jesus you serve? He went looking for him, and he found him. Of course, the other side is that, of that is Jesus always finds us. <laughs> You can't hide from him. Jesus went looking for him, found him. He said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Years after this, the Apostle Paul would write in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, If thou confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When this man confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord, oh yeah, that was a matter of great significance. He said, Lord, I believe and worshiped him. Do you see, young people, do you see audience here and watching online, do you see that he was living out exactly what his parents said of him? He is of age. Let him answer for himself. And he did. He did. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. No parent, as much as we might like to, can speak for their children's faith, as much as we'd like to confess Jesus for you. The fact is that this cannot be done. You must come to your own faith and receive Jesus Christ for yourself. Like the blind man, your faith in will be put to the test. You may be ridiculed and mocked for believing in Jesus. You'll have people with arguments that they have crafted over a lifetime of challenging students and trying to wreck their faith. But you remember the time when you received Jesus Christ as your Savior. You come to know then the light of the Lord of the world. And though you were born blind, you now see the light. Back in the 1940s, a young singer out of Alabama named Hank Williams, who we now know as Hank Williams Sr., would grow to become one of America's best-known singer-songwriters, though he would live to be only 29 years old. He was born with a very rare form of spinal bifida and suffered terrible back pain in an era and in a part of the world where alcohol was the main painkiller by the time he was an early teenager. He was an alcoholic. He would come under the influence later of a phony physician who got his license literally by mail order for $25, prescribed prescription pain meds, and the combination of those pain meds along with the alcohol he was drinking to try to control his pain and other things, no doubt. And one night going into Ohio for a concert in the wee morning hours, he was a passenger in a car. They thought he was asleep. And he died. He had struggled with those addictions for years. Those addictions would ultimately kill him. But the faith of his childhood never left him. And he immortalized that faith in one of his greatest hits. It's the reason I brought it up today, of course. I saw the light. In the second verse, he said, Just like a blind man, I wandered along. Worries and fears I claimed for my own. Then like the blind man that God gave back his sight, praise the Lord, I saw the light. First verse, I wandered so aimless, life filled with sin, I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord, I saw. Now, in the interest of (laughs) uh, full disclosure, I have to tell you that Hank Williams wrote a whole lot more songs about beer drinking than he did about Jesus, okay? He did. Like a lot of addicts, he would try to glorify his addiction, I'm sure. He lived a hard life. He died a young man. But I know this much, if Hank Williams did indeed see the light, and I believe he did, that light never left him. The light never left him. This is what the Bible calls, you see, the anchor of our soul. It's your testimony. It's a testimony that says, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see so if you want an outline for today's story it says the blind man had the truth that was number one he got the truth he met the truth face to face and then he had a testimony of the truth I was blind but now I see and then he then he gave a testimony to the truth even when his faith was tested he still claimed that truth and when he met Jesus he confessed him as Lord and Savior he's of age let him speak for himself you're of age you must speak your faith for yourself I want to close by reminding you today that Jesus didn't just say I'm the light of the world he took a man born blind and not out in the backwoods somewhere in Galilee, not up on the sea, not somewhere off in the wild countries, but in the temple in Jerusalem in front of everybody. On the Sabbath day, he sped on the ground, made clay, sent him to wash. He came back seeing. Jesus didn't just say, I'm the light of the world. He proved it. He didn't just say I'm the resurrection and the life he called up Lazarus from the dead four days dead but he didn't stop there when he died they put him in a, in a tomb but he didn't stay there not only did he raise Lazarus from the dead he raised himself it's no small feat for a dead man and the resurrection and the life he proved it he would say greater love hath no man than this nobody loves you more than I do and he went out on the cross and he showed us greater love hath no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends our praise team is going to lead us in a song can't uh, ask you to come forward or respond to the invitation, but I can ask you this. Have you spoken your own truth about your own faith? You might have been baptized as a baby and your parents spoke their truth over you. Have you ever spoken your own truth of your own faith? Have you received Jesus Christ as your own savior? You're of age. Ask him. Maybe it's time for you to follow the Lord in baptism as a believer. I don't know what's on your heart today. I'm going to lead us in prayer. We'll all stand, praise team, will sing, and then we'll all be dismissed.